welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. I'm happy to be in church. Amen. <laughs> I'm happy to be in church. You know, we shouldn't take it for granted. I say that often, but we should be thankful that we get to be here. Amen? Amen. We should count it a joy and a privilege and not a duty, but a privilege. Yes. And uh, wow, all right, 1057. You guys got a little time today? Yes. I'm not going to go too short, but I'm not going to go too long either. It's going to be just right. So let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews 4. Hebrews Hebrews 4, 16. Greg's up there, like, on the front row. Yeah, don't, don't go long, please. <laughs> say that because he would never say that. Well, maybe sometimes he would, but. Hebrews 4, 16. I'm going to read out of the New King James today. Oh, before we sh- show that, um, per, uh, Alyssa, I sent you a picture. And uh, it's, a, it's a funny, it has nothing to do with what I'm about to say. It's something my mom sh- shared with me, and I just thought it was hilarious. So go ahead and show that, Alyssa. Oh, can you see that? Yeah, it says, if you live in a pastor's home, you have the right to remain silent because anything you say or do may be used in a sermon illustration. <laughs> so my mom sent me that. She's like, you're always throwing me under the bus. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but... It's ammunition, man. You know, I got to keep coming up with uh, good illustrations. And you just, you're kind of easy to get illustrations from. So she sent that to me. I don't know if she's implying, like, shut up. Don't talk about me when you're up there or, or what. But I just thought I'd share that. So you guys in Hebrews 4.16? Are you guys in Hebrews 4.16? Yes. Okay, cool. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. What does the word grace here also mean? Favor. Favor. So, and it's the Greek word charis, um, which simply means the divine favor of God. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of the divine favor of God, that we may obtain mercy and find this favor and help in time of need. It also means that which is a free gift. Did you know favor and grace is a free gift? Whoo! That means victory is a free gift. That means power is a free gift. I like this one. It also means that which gives joy. Whoo! So come boldly to the throne of the divine favor of God. The divine favor of what? The, The divine favor that gives you great joy. So it's not, we're not just coming to the throne of, of favor to obtain help whenever we need help, right? We don't just call on God whenever we need bailed out. Amen? But we come to him so that way he can give us not, mater- not necessarily material things, but things money can't buy. Joy, peace. How I many you know a lot of people are looking for peace that no amount of money can buy? But it also includes stuff because the Bible says he richly gives us all things to enjoy. So he just doesn't want to help you in your time of need. He wants to give you things to enjoy. That's a good God. Amen. 
So recap of the last message. It's been a few weeks. Rachel preached last time, so it was not me. We talked about the nod of favor, right? If for those of you who were here last, the nod of favor. Um, I'm not going to go through what we talked about, but you can go to the archives on our um, website, and you can, I encourage you to re-listen to the message, because we're going to kind of piggyback off what was said in that. But just for a little background, um, his nod gives you his divine approval. So you are divinely approved by God. How many are excited about that? Yeah. It also gives you a chance to withstand the sifting. And we talked about that. What does sifting mean? And everybody was like, I'm not saying amen to that. And then the third uh, thing the nod does is it gives you great power. And to quote Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And our example was Jesus. Like I said, I, I just wanted to give you a little background. Please go listen to the message. Um, it'll help you. And I believe it'll help you. Amen? That's why we're here, to get helped, right? Not only to get help, but to minister to God. So let's continue. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And we're going to read, um, starting in verse 1. Acts 9. So we're going to talk about somebody else today. A small fellow by the name of Paul. But at this point in time, his name was not Paul. His name was Saul. But just a, he's a tiny little fellow. Are you guys there in verse 1? It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that he, he found that if he found any who were of the way, that if, that if he found any who were of the way, we're going to come back to that, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, yo, 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 who are you, Lord? <laughs> then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And, the, and then the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Which is interesting because Saul, all Saul he saw was light. So he saw something, but they didn't see anything. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight. Whew, that'd be rough. And he neither ate nor drank. I'd say those are probably a rough three days for Mr. Saul, don't you think? So we're going to talk today, and it's really, my title is more, it's kind of like in a plea form. It's um, say yes to favor. And it's pleading with you, say yes to favor. Say yes to favor. So a few months ago, back in October, we uh, went to Tulsa, Oklahoma for a little vacation. And some of you are probably thinking, why did you go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to get away for a little vacation? Well, Rachel went to Rama, 
and she's always wanted me to go to Tulsa and check out where she used to hang out, her old stomping grounds. <laughs> and plus, I've always wanted to go to Tulsa, too, you know, to check it out. And um, so we went at the end of October, but that wasn't the only reason we went. We also went and, and saw uh, Elevation Worship. They did an Elevation Nights, like a concert. And um, the second song we sang today was by them. Actually, the first song, too. So we do a lot of their stuff. Um, but it was, it was really cool. We're like, oh, we can, they're going to stop here on this tour. We'll go see them. We'll go see Rama. We'll go see some other churches, because Tulsa is not lacking in churches. Let me tell you what. Is it in Indian that it means the meeting place? Broken Arrow means the meeting place. Tulsa means something else. Anyway, Broken Arrow, that's where Rama is. It means the meeting place. I think they do a good job of fulfilling that name. They meet a lot. So we, we went down there, and we got to see amazing churches and, and ministries. So for one, Rama, um, and then we stopped by ORU, Oral Roberts University, a beautiful campus, really beautiful, and unlike anything I'd ever seen before, uh, the, the, the architecture that's there is really interesting. Um, it has kind of, when was it built in the 70s-ish, 80s, something like that? It has that vibe, but yet ultra-modern, like... It's weird. It, it's, it's really cool. Um, we also stopped by uh, a church called Life Church, a church called Transformation Church, and then across the street from RU Victory Church. And um, we just wanted to go to these different places to get uh, a vision, vision for, for us. Because, you know, it can be easy to get stagnant. You know, for us, since we're in the ministry, we have to get vision for ministry. But for you, whatever your field of work is, or calling in life, it's important that you see people who are better than you in doing something uh, that you're, it's in your field so you get vision, right? So or somebody who's been doing it longer, right? So you can get pointers, so you can learn. Because the moment you think you're a know-it-all and know how to do everything, you just cut yourself off from the favor of God. Because guess what? You don't. So it's important that we stir up the vision inside of us. So we're at this concert, and I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm looking around, and it was, in, I mean, there's probably like 10,000 people there, um, pretty close to sold out. And I'm looking around, and at multiple points during the concert, you could, the, the singers could stop singing, and everybody would keep singing the song. I was like, whoa, especially when they started to sing like The Blessing, you know, the blessing, Lord bless you. I'm not going to sing right now, but I'm just like, wow, wow. And for me, I'm thinking, wow, that must feel like you've arrived, right? Like when people are singing your songs in an arena and you can stop singing and they just keep singing them. I feel like that's a pretty good, you feel, you'd probably feel successful, right? And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is amazing. And I started to think of all the other places we went. We went to Rama. I'm like, wow, Kenneth Hagin and Oral Roberts University, hence the name, Oral Roberts started it, and all these other churches we went to, and I'm thinking to myself, they didn't start out this way, right? Nobody just starts out that big. But I'm like, so where does it start, like to get to that point? And I was thinking to myself, it starts with a decision. 
It starts when you say yes, right? Everything starts with a decision. Think about it. The greatest accomplishment you've ever achieved, or maybe the biggest regret you've ever, you've ever achieved, <laughs> you've ever done, uh, all started with a decision. And it all started with you, what, saying yes. So I'm looking around, and I'm like, wow, this is all happening because, yes, God and all that. I'm in the concert. But it started because um, their pastor, Stephen Furtick, said yes. Rama started because Kenneth Hagin said yes. Oral Roberts University started because Oral Roberts said yes. What a powerful word yes is. Did you know if none of those people said yes, none of those organizations, churches would exist? And it's not just churches. Any business started because somebody said yes, right? I was going to say parenthood, but sometimes you don't say yes to it. Sometimes things happen. <laughs> if you've done it right, hopefully you've said yes, but sometimes that doesn't even correlate well. But mostly, everything started because you said yes to something. Whether it be good or bad, that huge thing is because you said yes. Whew. So let's go back to verse 2. And, uh, well, it starts right now. Let's go back to verse 1, because verse 2 starts in the middle of a sentence. It says, Then Saul, still breathing murderous threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So one of the things they called Christians before the term Christian came about was those who are of the way. It's kind of long. I'm glad they shortened it to Christian, you know. Um, another way you could say it is followers of the way. Have we got any followers of the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is my main, 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 main point here. Everything revolves around this, what I've said and what I will say. Saying yes to favor means saying yes to his way. I'm going to say that again, and maybe again, and maybe one more time. Saying yes to favor means saying yes to his way. I'm going to say it one more time for the people who were kind of nodding off and I spoke a little louder and they woke up a little bit. <laughs> saying yes to favor means saying yes to his way. His way. Not your way, but his way. Drop down to verse 4. It says, then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? I've read this verse a lot of times, and I'm going to be honest, I've never, I've always been like, what's a goad? If you do King James, it says prick. And, um, and then, you know, growing up, I'm like, oh, that's a bad word. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get some of that stuff in King James. But what's a goad? What's a goad? I'm like, I don't know, maybe I should look it up since I'm reading the passage on it. Interesting what a goat is. I'm just going to, maybe some of you are like, oh, dude, you should know what a goat is. Yeah. Well, I didn't. 
And I learned it. It means, it says, uh, goads typically were made of slender pieces of timber. So it's like a long um, rod or stick type thing. And it was blunt on one end, but it was pointed on the other. Ouch. It said farmers used the pointed end to urge a stubborn ox into motion. (laughs) Occasionally, the beast would kick at the goad. The more the ox kicked, though, the more likely the goad would stab into its flesh, creating greater pain. Interesting. So kicking against the goads was actually a popular saying back then. It wasn't something Jesus just made up. This was a popular saying back then. So the fact that Jesus used this phrase means that this wasn't the first time that he had been working on Saul's heart. We see this as the first time, but this wasn't the first time that Jesus was working on Saul's heart. You have to remember, Saul was around when Jesus was on the earth. They were approximately the same age. So he was, one of, he was probably one of the guys who didn't like him so much. So think about that. Every time Saul resisted the Lord's promptings, got goaded. Every time he was persecuting the church, he was getting goaded. Not that Jesus was like stabbing him, <laughs> but how many of you, when you do something you know you're not supposed to, not even sin, but you know you're supposed to do this one thing that God told you to do, and you ended up doing this other thing, you feel the goad on the inside. So him saying, is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Meaning, is it, are you about done resisting me? Are you about done with this so that way you can stop being goaded? I've been calling you, and I finally had to blind you so that way you could see what you're supposed to do. Whew! Now, Unfortunately, for a lot of us, for some, uh, well, we know why. Saul had a big calling that Jesus needed him to do. But not all of us are going to get the blinding light moment, right? If we keep resisting, eventually, eventually we'll get callous to the goad, right? And eventually we might not even fulfill what we're supposed to do. I'm getting to the end of my sermon, but back up a little bit. Hmm. Hmm. So Paul said yes to favor at this point. I don't really know if he had much of a choice, but I guess he did. Um, so, but in verse eight, it says, um, then Paul arose from the ground. He did not stay on the ground, right? He didn't stay there. He fell to the ground and he didn't stay there. How many of us need to get up? We've been pushed to the ground. We have fallen to the ground and we have not gotten up. And we need to get up. Today is your day of getting up. We need to not complain, cry, wimp about it. We have a calling and purpose to fulfill. And we need to get up. Amen? I'm being a little stern, but it's time for us to get up. Because guess what? Stop yielding to the lie that you can't get up. You can get up. Satan cannot keep you down. You can get up. So I'm pleading with you today to get up. Do what you're supposed to do. Fulfill your calling. Amen? Amen. Let's get up today. So let's drop down to verse 20. Verse 20. We're going to skip a few verses here. Pretty much uh, 
um, a disciple named Ananias came after seeing a vision of, with instruction from Jesus on what to do with Saul, laying his hands on Saul and all that. Um, he got his eyesight back. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, got saved. So that's all good. I like verse 20, though. And this is talking about Paul. And if you, he, if you hear me saying Paul and Saul, it's the same person. <laughs> just, just FYI. So immediately he, Paul, preached Christ in the synagogues. This is right after Ananias laid his hands on him that he is the son of God. He did not get, uh, he, didn't, he didn't stop. Like he didn't pause. He's like, okay, let's do this thing. Immediately after he got his eyesight back, he went and preached Christ. The guy who was killing people and putting people in prison for doing what he's doing right now. Whew, man, I love God. I love God. I was reading this and I'm like, wow, this is such a savage move by God. So savage. I love, I love when God just burns the devil. You know, like it's just so exciting. It's, maybe it's because I'm competitive or something. It's like, yeah, take that. You know, like this is such a savage move because he took Satan's number one premier playmaker. And the number one premier playmaker of the kingdom of darkness. Think about that. This was like Satan's like number one guy. And he, he didn't take him out of the equation. No, no, this is what makes it savage. Is he took Paul out of the kingdom of darkness and he made him the number one premier playmaker for the kingdom of light. Yeah. Woo! The kingdom of Jesus. So not only was uh, he not in the kingdom of darkness anymore, but now Satan's having to deal with him. And he's like, when did this happen? He's probably thinking like, I did not plan for this. I was like, wow, that is so savage. That is so savage by God to do that. I'm like, whoo, love Jesus. You know, he says that about you too. Not, not uh, God, it's the enemy. You are a premier playmaker for the kingdom of light. We need to start seeing ourselves like that. Amen? All of us have great things on the inside of us that we need to do. But, but check it out. Nobody influenced Christianity more besides the founder, Jesus, than Paul. Nobody else did. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. His words became God's words. Wow. And guess what, what it started with? A decision. And what was that decision? He's saying yes. Saying yes, it all starts. Saying yes is like the seed, right? It's small, might look insignificant. It's buried, can't see it. No one even knows that you said yes. But pretty soon, that seed grows into a tree, right? And now everybody's seeing it. But nobody saw the seed at first, but you knew about the seed, and that seed is saying yes, saying yes to him, saying yes to God. So let's look at Paul again. Um, we're gonna read Acts 13 now, verse one. See, pages turn. I mean, I don't see. I hear pages turning. So Acts 13, one. There's a period of time here that has gone by. But before we read it, I wanna say, and if you're taking notes, write this down. 
Saying yes starts a process. Saying yes starts a process. In fact, say that with me. Ready, ready? Saying yes starts a process. And you should even like capitalize, underline the word process. You will not jump right into the full fulfillment of what God has called you to do right after you say yes. Right? You will not. There's a waiting period. There's a developmental period. There's a, there's a period of time where you need to get ready for the full calling that you have. Now, that would be pretty um, not right of God for you to say yes and be like, all right, let's, let's give you the keys to the car when you're a two-year-old. No, but this is a process that we don't like, right? Our flesh doesn't like waiting. Some of you are like, I'm not shaking my head. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Seriously, we don't like to wait, especially now in today's day and age. Whoa, nobody likes to wait for anything. The fact that Amazon Prime is not really two days anymore, woo, not cool, right? In fact, we wanted it yesterday before we even thought we needed the whatever we order on Amazon. But that's not how God works. And guess what? He's not going to change his way for your way. That's why I said saying yes to favor says, is, is saying yes to his way. All right, Acts 13.1. Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. So that was the start of the Apostle Paul's full-time ministry at that point. Acts 13. It was not in Acts 9. So if you could guess a time frame of how long it took from Acts 9 on the road to Damascus to Acts 13 where he's getting sent out at the church of Antioch, how many years do you think that is? You, you, can, you can throw out answers here. Five, seven. Five, seven. And we got five, seven, seven. Uh, when you got over here, huh? Seven. We got seven. Seven. That's good. God's, that's God number. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Double that. 14 years. I'm glad nobody said four chapters. Okay? It took approximately four chapters for that to happen. <laughs> See, it's quick to us because we can read it, you know, in a book, in the Bible. But it took 14 years from the time Saul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus to Acts 13 when he got sent out to fulfill his full-time ministry. 14 years. That's quite a long time, isn't it? And to me, my mind was being puzzled by this. I'm like, why? Why? Because he had so much, he wasn't like the other apostles in that he wasn't a fisherman or doing things that, uh, he, he was, a, he was a, a teacher. He was like, a, he was growing up to be a Pharisee. He knew the law inside and out. He was very educated, very intelligent, 
had a lot of background. You would think a guy like that could, this process could be sped up a little bit. Don't you think? No. See, intelligence is part of it, but it's not the whole thing. Now, we need to know about God. We need to know God, right? You know, wisdom and knowledge is not futile, but it's not the whole package. Just because he was really, really smart, really, really intelligent, it was probably harder. That's a good point. It was probably harder because he had to unlearn all the things that he was taught and see it from a different perspective. He was not seeing it from the perspective that Jesus was fulfilling everything he had learned. He had to start seeing it that way. 14 years. Took Jesus 30. I mean, if we count from when he was a baby, 30 years? I mean, the list could go on and on about people who were called at a certain point and didn't walk it out until years, sometimes decades later. Why do we think we're different? Huh? Because it's us? I mean, this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about here. One of the most powerful figures in Christianity. And yet he had a developmental period. He had a waiting period. He had a time where he had to grow and develop and grow and develop and grow and develop. We are going to have that process too. Right? I think Paul, um, no, I want to hold off on that. We need to keep, we need to keep on this for a second. He, um, how do I want to word this? There's a process period and we, we need to not disdain it. A lot of times we disdain the process. We disdain the waiting. We think we're more ready than what we really are. And it's very important that we not do that. You want to know why? Because you could stay in that state for the rest of your life and not fulfill what God called you to do. What if, like, yeah, he was preaching Christ in Acts 9. Praise God, he was walking steps. But... If you had told him he would still be waiting 14 years to, fulfill, to fully go into what he was called to do, he probably wouldn't have believed you at the time. Yes, we need to be making steps. Yes, we need to be making progress. But we need to be sure that we're not disdaining that we don't know everything. And guess what? Even after Paul was called, he was still learning things, right? But we need to make sure we're not disdaining the process. So... Um, I think Paul preached the most about grace and favor. I mean, all the material we get on that is pretty much from him, him and Jesus, right? Because he received more of it than anybody else in his life. Think about where he came from. He was persecuting Christians. He consented to the killing of Stephen and a disciple of Jesus. I think he talked about it most because he received more of it than anybody else. Now I want to look at somebody who had the opposite response to favor. Somebody who didn't say yes, but somebody who said no. You guys got a little more time? Let's go to Mark 10. Mark 10, verse 17. 
we're going to read about a young fella here. And we're going to read till verse 22. The book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 17. It says, Now he was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? I, you know, I would have been like, well, because um, you're good? It says, no one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Say treasure in heaven. heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. Like the first part, but not the second part. Um, But he was sad at this word and went away very sorrowful for he had great possessions This is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Wouldn't you say? He said no to his calling. He said no to God's favor. All because of why. He loved his way more than God's way. Because after everything Jesus said, and, and in verse 21, he said, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he gave him an opportunity to follow him that he did not give everybody else the opportunity to do. If you read other stories in the Bible, right, um, Jesus would say, um, if somebody said, I want to follow you, let's go, and he said, no, 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 you go back and tell the people what I've done for you, right? He gave different instructions, but to this person, he said, come follow me. And the guy said, no. Ouch. How many things have we, how many things in this life from God have we not pursued because we loved his ways more than our way? How many? How many things? Probably don't want to think about it too much. Um, You know, in your Bible, it probably says something um, at the top of the passage, like Jesus counseled the rich young ruler. Did anybody say that in their Bible? Is that what it calls it? Jesus counsels the rich young ruler or something like that. Now, in Mark's account here, it doesn't say anything about the person being young. Matthew's gospel tells us he was young. And Luke's gospel tells us that he was a ruler. So that's how we get the rich young ruler. And something I learned from that is we can make dumb decisions when we are young. (laughs) Can anybody testify? (laughs) Yeah, the point is we make dumb decisions when we are young. And I'm not just talking about age. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. You see, you can become born again today and never age a day in your spiritual development. You could have been born again 20 years ago and not aged a day spiritually. Now, you would have aged 
and naturally, right, 20 years later, you're going to look a little different. I look a little different. We all look a little different. But spiritually speaking, the moment you get born again from the time that you die, pass away, and be with the Lord doesn't mean you grew that many years, right? So say it's 40 years from the time you got born again to the time you pass away. That doesn't mean you grew 40 years spiritually. That means you could have. Actually, you could maybe have grown farther than that. But the opposite is also true. You could also grow less than that. Wouldn't that be sad after, if you've accepted the Lord and 40, 50, 60 years gone by, and you, get, and you get to heaven and you realize that you didn't grow as much spiritually as you thought? Ouch. I don't want to be that. You see, if we don't pursue God daily, if we don't grow spiritually, then when it comes time to choose his way, you might not even recognize that it's your time to say yes. I'm going to say that again. If we don't pursue God daily, if we don't grow spiritually, then when the day comes for us to say yes, we might not even recognize it as our opportunity to. This guy didn't. Do you think if he really knew what he was saying no to, he would have said no? No. He wouldn't have. He didn't recognize it. I don't want that to be us. Say, that won't be me. me. I don't want that to be us today. And I think we should stand up now. Ended a little earlier. That's okay, though. Say, that won't be me. me. See, I believe a lot of us in here today, or maybe you're watching this online, live or in the future, a year from now, I think our time to say yes is coming up. Amen? And the thing is, is maybe we haven't recognized it in the past, but I believe we'll have more opportunities to say yes. Amen? Do you believe that? Come on, as long as we're still breathing, I think we have more opportunities to say yes. For all we know, the rich young ruler could have had another opportunity to. Right? We don't know that. But at that moment in time, he said no. I don't want that to be us. I want us to say yes to favor. I want us to say yes to what God has for us because it's, it's exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, think, or imagine. And guess what? Your yes is just as important as somebody who's a high-profile figure, their yes. Don't look at the amount of followers somebody has on their Instagram or Facebook or whatever, TikTok, Um, how big of an audience they have when they speak or how big their corporation is or business. Don't compare your yes to their yes. Amen? Because that's a trap. Say trap. The moment you start comparing your yes to their yes, you're blocking yourself from favor. It's important that we value our yes just as much as somebody else's yes. Because guess what? If you're obedient to what God called you to do, you're going to get just as big a reward in heaven as those people. Yes. Even though it looks like on the surface they're, they're um, doing better or impacting more people or whatever it may be, as long as you're obedient to what he called you to do, 
you're going to get the same reward. The same reward as Billy Graham, right? Led millions of people to the God. But if you say yes to what God's called you to do, you're going to get the exact same reward as him. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 